Coffee Carmen Connection is about being human. It's about you choosing to prioritize your well-being, putting the time in to strengthen your resilience to adversity, and being part of a community that holds you accountable and offers support when the going gets tough. Our podcasts bring expert insight and real-life experiences together for you to enjoy and learn what it is that makes us human and how to work with it. Good afternoon, Faye. Thank you for joining me today on Coffee, Calm and Connections podcast. It's fabulous to have you here. It's a pleasure to be here and thank you for inviting me, Sarah. We've done a couple of podcasts together, haven't we? We have, From our, we have. our other hats, different businesses, but I always enjoy chatting to you. So I wonder if you will give the Coffee, Calm Connection listeners a little bit of background about who is Faye. Yes. Good. So I am, um, well, professionally, I am UK country manager for Zywave. So uh, we are a tech business that focuses on working with insurance brokers. Um, And I've been in this role itself probably for the last two years and with this company for the last eight I am a mother of a four, nearly five-year-old little boy. I live in Derbyshire. I am, yeah, probably a bit of a workaholic, to be honest. I would describe myself. I'm very kind of passionate about what I do, and um, it is on my mind a lot, which is, I think, it has its ups and downs to, to being that kind of person, I think. But I am constantly looking for ways to balance out and yeah just like really interested in having this conversation today as well because also I like coffee and I think being calm is important <laughs> and being conne- having connections is also key. So. <laughs> uh-huh. You could are. have just described me uh, in that I also like coffee, cheers. Um, I also very much enjoy what I do and perhaps borderline workaholic yeah. uh, and I have three children and my little boys are similar age to yours. So yeah. we have a lot of um, similarities. Uh, first question that, that jumps out at me from what you've just said, how do you balance the mum and the work? Uh, the answer to that is I'm still figuring it out. Um, I, don't have the, <laughs> I don't have the answer. I think that it is constantly a learning process and I've made loads of mistakes along the way and then I kind of course correct and and try different things. Um, The pandemic situation, you know, lockdown and when kind of schools and childcare went away, uh, that really taught me that I can't be both at the same time I can't be a great mum and great at my job in the same minute so I think it's knowing that um, you have to kind of focus on one or the other and obviously you know make sure your kids are taken care of of course but um, for me it's I am you know 100% focused on my son the weekend, in the evenings, etc. Um, but when I'm working, I'm working. And but also it's about I think having the flexibility to know that kind of there'll be curveballs coming. So allow for that. Don't stress too much when it happens. 
I try not to beat myself up probably as much as I used to about working and not necessarily being there at the school gates at 3.15 or 3.30 as it is right now, like other mums that I would think are oh, there, you know, they're, uh, they're much better mothers than I am because they're always there for their children, whereas I might be using after school club or my, you know, my parents might be picking him up or something along those lines. So it's, uh, yeah, it, I think it's just a case of not being too critical of myself and knowing that you can't you can't be everything every minute do you know I think you've said something there that was resonated with me and and you said it you know the perfect mum or the that comparison that we do and I think probably women do it more than men maybe I might be wrong there I'm not a man so I can't speak for them but but my sort of probably most of my struggles come from that comparison and I will always compare myself with the stay-at-home mum in yeah. terms of my mothering abilities, with the CEO of a large corporate in terms of my business capabilities, yeah. with the yoga teacher in terms of my flexibility capabilities, <laughs> and with a, a, I know, a Michelin star chef in terms of my non-existent cooking capabilities. And you can just never win. Why, why do we do that? Yeah, it is. It, it's, it's, I guess it's the seeking to be the best we can and perfectionism and you know if you are ambitious then certainly you're going to want to strive to achieve success in as many areas of as your life of your life as possible but when you look at people like the perfect mum the michelin star, star chef you don't know what else is going on in their lives anyway and a lot of it as well is about i think as being overly critical in our minds of what we're doing when actually externally we're doing a great job it's just that voice in your head isn't it what you sound like you've come to a very wise sort of state of being how what lessons have you learned what what sort of points in your life can you recall as being learning uh, areas yeah I so actually that's a fair question I, a few years ago, went through quite a big life change where I had some quite hard personal stuff happening to me. And um, I made a decision around that time to kind of just loosen my grip a little bit and stop trying to control everything. And also around that time, I was, I would say quite down as in unhappy I'd recently had my son as well and I was never I wasn't diagnosed with postnatal depression but when I read about it now and I read about symptoms I do think there was some of it there potentially so around that time like when I was at my very lowest I remember just thinking to myself one morning I need to change make some changes here and just focus on finding a way to be happy every day like that's my objective And I started to kind of just take little steps to kind of, uh, I guess, find things that make me happy, find activities that make me happy and stop worrying about things going wrong, about failure and so on, being more present in the the moment, you know, all that kind of, it's a bit of a cliche, but but it's true. I also, as I was going through that, got into listening to a lot of kind of podcasts that were more spiritual focus which I think was a massive help for me because the whole idea if you look at kind of spirituality is that there are 
you know, some bigger things outside of us. And if you start to look at the world in that way, you realise that you don't need to try and control everything. And that causes a lot of stress, I think, for people. I got some help as well, kind of therapeutic and counselling help as I was going through that, uh, which again kind of helped me to just look at the world in a slightly different way. And one of the biggest things professionally as I was going through this I decided I was just going to be myself and certainly in my role, which is quite sales focused, I looked back and I thought, I've been trying to be a 60 year old man for the last 10 years because these are my target customers. I've been trying to write emails like them and talk like them and act like them and have rapport like them and I'm not a 60 year old man so I decided as well as I was going through all of this that I'm just going to be myself and if people like me they like me if they don't they don't and that was probably a big change for me because I found that I made better connections with people I felt more authentic and yeah it's it's been I think I allowed myself as well or I accepted I was going to make mistakes in life in general. And that's absolutely fine because if you make a mistake, you learn. That's how you succeed, isn't it? So it's like welcoming the idea that mistakes are going to happen so that you can kind of let go of that stress and free yourself up. So, yeah, I think that's, that's a bit of an all over the place answer, but... It's not. It's it's absolutely fabulous. And I think there's so many, like I thought of about a thousand questions for you just just in that, in, in what you've said, because I think it's so helpful. I'm just, if I can just give you an anecdote of something to frame my question. I um, have read a book, which I'm sure many people have read, called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And one of the things that um, Stephen Covey says in that book is, is about sort of the aha moment, right? And sometimes the aha moment comes in a split second and sometimes you have to cultivate it. And the example he gives is he's riding on the subway in in New York or wherever and a man gets on with two kids and the kids are going free for all wild, climbing, yelling, and this guy's just sitting and doing nothing. And you can feel the vibe of people getting irritable. And Stephen takes it upon himself to go to this guy and say, excuse me, sir, but your kids are running riled. Do you think you might control them because they're upsetting a lot of people? And the feeling, the thoughts, the behaviors are all coming from a pace of irritation. What are you doing? Why are you not looking after your kids? And what the guy says is, I'm sorry, we've just come from the hospital where their mum's just died. Yeah massive aha change it changes what the way you think about this man and his children and the situation it changes how you feel about this man the children the situation and it changes your behavior towards the man and his situation and cognitive uh, behavioral therapy is all around this this uh, thought feeling behavior sort of triangle what i often never get to the bottom of and one of the questions i have is those aha moments are relatively few and far between and the cultivating change takes so much more and you have to live and breathe the change in an incremental and consistent way for a really long time before it becomes who you are and that really long time is where things fall out you sound like you've done that really 
well? How? What, were there any aha moments or, or was it conscious and daily fight to get to where you want to be? Yeah, I think that there are lots of little aha moments that probably are where things aren't going great and you notice it and I notice how I'm reacting to things and that I'm not feeling that good and then once I have that that's my aha moment and then I return to a practice of what I've been uh, doing before that that's kind of it's like constant course correction and as time passes I notice it more quickly so perhaps historically I think of like if we think of something like work examples so when I was in my 20s I used to be an event manager and that is a quite a stressful job and I remember uh, I was good at it but I remember like working insanely long hours and being tired and stressed and um you know getting upset and like one tiny thing would go wrong and I it like pushed me over the edge and I didn't have the resilience or the tool set at that point in my life to be able to kind of bounce back from that or not let it deeply get to me as I think that I do now so it's kind of been for me a process of knowing these you know problems happen and being able to have this toolkit that I can quickly kind of dip into to get me back to where I want to be like grounded and calm but also I think allow at the same time if something isn't going great acknowledging that it's okay to feel stressed pissed off uh, unhappy upset um, and actually allowing those feelings to hang around um, as they need to and then letting them pass like feeling them and letting them pass it's just practice and it's also like a lot of learning I think about it as well in myself and externally two things you said there that um, I think are interesting one is this idea of course correction I visualize it as walking on a tightrope, which probably tells you something about how uptight I am. Um, <laughs> and like, I don't feel like I'm on the tightrope. I feel like I'm more often than not off one side or another. And I literally just jump over the tightrope every so often. But perhaps for my own sort of incremental thinking is if I change that from a tightrope to a path, you fall off it less because it's wider. And that yeah. allows for a bit of mistakes. I'm quite visual. So I like one of the things that I might try and do is every time I visualize, oh, you've fallen off the tightrope again, I'm going to change it to a pathway. So thank you for that. Um, and the other thing that you said that I, I think is really interesting, really, really interesting, and I love it, is that your aha moment is in noticing where you're at. That is so powerful. And one of the things that we're trying to do at Coffee Calm Connection, and one of the personal values I've got in driving Coffee Calm Connection is to support people to notice their own patterns. So when you notice you've gone back into that spiral maybe that doesn't help, you notice it before you've fallen off the tightrope or the pathway and while yeah. you're still on it for you to be able to course correct. And obviously I'm not in any way um, medical or, or, or psychological. So this is as much a journey for me as it is for everybody that's coming along on the CCC journey. So I think that's really, really interesting. One of the other things that you mentioned 
at the beginning was that you went through a life-changing circumstance. And what I want to ask you is, when you've got a structure and a way, you know, a pattern to life, and that structure's taken away, and I'm thinking about your life-changing circumstance, but I'm also thinking about the pandemic and what that's done. How do you cope with that? Because all of a sudden you're plunged into a world of uncertainty and uncertainty and control go hand in hand to create sometimes quite a negative feeling in myself. Yeah. How, what, how, how? Yeah. I think the more you try to control things when you're in an uncertain situation, the harder it becomes. So for me, I think it's kind of just looking at the situation and allowing, I guess, is one way and and trying to flow with it a bit, um, as opposed to an analogy that I got years ago, actually, when I was going through this um, kind of rougher time is not trying to swim upstream and trying to find ways to flow, find the, um, the path of least resistance and if you see the path of least resistance, take it. If it's the, you know, if it feels like that's what you should be doing, then take it. Don't try and hold yourself to this. You know, if we look at something like the pandemic, you know, I've got to work X hours a day. These are the expectations on me. I've got to be the best at this, this and this, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. Um, I think just kind of giving yourself a bit of a break is important. Again, I've kind of, said a lot there I don't know if I've really hit that question no you absolutely have and you use the word expectation and I've like long held this belief which may or may not be popular but I'm going to say anyway (laughs) that choice can lead to a significant amount more anxiety and negativity so the more choices you're presented with the more room there is for angst yeah. And I had a really interesting conversation with my dad the other day and he had read a book and I can't remember what the name of the book is, but if I remember it, I'll put it in the show notes um, of this of this podcast. And, and what the, Oh, it's Sapiens. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so I keep meaning to read Sapiens and never getting to it, but he'd read Sapiens and what, what the ethos that, that he took from it was that everybody has... Uh, like within certain parameters, the same amount of serotonin and dopamine, and I might be getting the hormones wrong, and please don't troll me if I have, but essentially the happy hormones that make you happy or sad. So if you are a caveman living in a hovel and fearing for your life because of all of the lions around, you still have the same amount of dopamine or dopamine or what happy hormones, let's call them that, happy hormones, yeah. as I do or you do or, I don't know, people on the other side of the continent do, people from low income brackets to high, we all have the same amount. And therefore, this idea that money makes you happier is incorrect, which I think is probably fairly accepted nowadays. But what he's saying is that the differential is expectation. So the, the caveman living in the hovel has an expectation at which he performs in his day-to-day lives and it's a lower expectation than I would have I do not expect to live in a hovel and be chased down by lions or have to fight for food and therefore my expectation leaves more room for more angst and negativity and I should have and I could have and why not and this is not fair and that's not fair and I'm 
you know, I'm not performing to this standard. You've done me wrong by this. And I love that idea because one of the things I feel really strongly about is ownership and owning your own self. You know, it's not, it's not your fault if I feel bad, even if you've just slapped me around the face. It's not my fault either. Yeah. But it, it, you know, there's, there's a different way to look at things. And Viktor Frankl, and now I'm rambling all over, sorry. Viktor Frankl was a really, I don't know if you've heard of him. I have, because yeah. um, Stephen Covey talks about him, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he, he does. He um, does. So for those of you that don't know, he was a psychologist, I think, uh, who was in Auschwitz, a uh, Jewish uh, psychologist, and he was spent quite a significant time in, in Auschwitz. And what he taught people around him to do was to understand that between the stimulus and your response, you have a choice. You always have a choice. And in his case, the stimulus was torture and the response was pain and eventual losing of your mind. But the choice was there and he focused and taught other people to, to think about that choice. Yeah. And I think it's really, really powerful. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And, and that reminds me... One of the best podcast interviews I've ever listened to, and I can recommend this to anybody, is with a guy called Mo Gaudat, who's written a book called Soul for Happy. And he was interviewed, he's interviewed on a podcast um, called How to Fail by Elizabeth Day. He's been on there twice. Both interviews are really good. And his whole philosophy, he was the chief business officer for Google X, um, guy that you know was multi-millionaire um you know lived all around the world had all these like um you know supercars had everything he wanted beautiful wife you know gorgeous family and then when he was 21 his son Ali passed away and his whole world obviously fell apart at that point so he then as he kind of was going through this experience at some point started to look at what is the formula for happiness and he goes into it in lots of detail in his book but one of the things he talks about is that we have this voice in our head and he calls it Becky and it's almost as though there is that that's the response voice so so that's the voice that's saying to you or criticizing you or, you know, saying to you, why are you doing things that way? Life is terrible. You know, these people don't like you or whatever it is that that mean voice in your head is going to say. And for him, he talks about treating that voice as though it, it isn't you. And you then have the ability to make choices in terms of how you react that are more logical um, and they're not driven by immediate emotional responses or you know, other uh, very quick gut reactions to challenging situations. So yeah. I like the idea of naming the inner voice. It's so powerful. Yeah. Do you have a, a name for inner Faye? Well, actually, just from listening to him, I call it Becky too. And, and it's funny because I introduced that podcast episode to my other half and he really enjoyed it. And when we're kind of having... You know, if we have an argument or if something, um, you have a fallout or, you know, the next day, sometimes one of us will say to the other, um, yeah, I was having a moment. Becky was telling me that you don't care about me because I, uh, you know, because this, this and this. And it's just being able to like 
disassociate or label that part of you or, or that kind of reaction that isn't logical and isn't who you really are deep down inside. So, yeah, we both talk about uh, our Beckys. It's like the alter ego, isn't it? Um, one, although I'm sure that's got a medical connotation that I probably should not yeah, say because I don't just know like what I'm talking about. No, um, no offense to anyone called Becky as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the name this guy uses. You could um, name it what you want. I um, I had a conversation with somebody who's who's um, going to come on board and be one of the sort of mental health contributors to uh, Coffee Calm Connection, and we were talking about Coffee Calm Connection and who it's really aimed at. Now, everything I'm everything I'm driving is, if I'm really honest, it's me as the target market right? So who am I? Well, I'm a working mom of three. I'm falling off the tightrope every which way. I am very hard on myself. My inner voice is not perhaps as, as, as wonderful as it would be. I'm probably in terms of income brackets somewhere in the middle. And I'm, you know, that's who I am. And he said to me, I call that avatar Claire. So I'm going to call my inner voice Claire. So Claire and I are going to make more friends, make friends. I'll tell you something else that's really interesting, feeds into that. I'm at the moment doing Noom. I don't know if you know Noom, but it's an app and it's around psychoeducation towards food. Okay. So constantly on a diet and have been yes. since I was eight. Um, <laughs> sometimes I think just accept it, Sarah or Claire. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, um, that's a whole other one. Oh, it is. And what Noom talks about is the elephant and the rider. And if you think about in your head there being the elephant and the rider, the rider's logical, the elephant's emotional. But actually, the rider can never overpower the elephant, ever. And if the elephant's going to go in direction X, the rider can sit on top of the elephant and think they're in control, but they're not. They're literally just going along for the ride. So rather than this constant friction between the rider and the elephant, how do you how do you manipulate to get what you want? Well, this sounds awful, but understand the elephant, understand the elephant's triggers, understand kindness, understand compassion, and actually sometimes give the elephant the Kit Kat or you know, whatever it is. But if yeah. it's done in moderate, in moderation and with compassion and kindness and sort of an integrated relationship then actually the outcome is a lot less angst for all so I'm going to make friends with Claire Claire and I are going to go for a coffee later (laughs) (laughs) sounds good you and Becky should join us (laughs) yeah definitely yeah Becky's a bit moody though I don't know if she'll come (laughs) (laughs) amazing what do you think the function of Becky is because there's a reason we are biologically driven. Oh, yeah. sorry, we've evolved to have the inner voice. What do you think the function is and can it ever be helpful? Yeah. Well, I actually, so this is, I actually look at, at myself as though I almost have two inner voices. So there's the Becky who is critical and likes to point out things that I've done wrong and all the awful things that everybody thinks about me. So there's there's her. But then I think there is another inner voice that I wouldn't even name because it's almost like just a gut instinct or a, if you're in a really calm place and this is where all the self-care comes in, that there's actually, I'm a big believer 
that most of the answers to the questions we have, we have inside of us. And that, again, it sounds a bit cheesy saying it, but I think you know, as a as a female in a male-dominated industry, I've spent many years like feeling like I didn't know what I'm doing and imposter syndrome. I don't have the answers and I need to ask somebody else. I need to check what I'm doing with somebody else all the time. And actually, I realize now that it's just kind of, um, uh, I guess it's like a maybe a confidence, but just a, a knowledge that I know what I'm supposed to be doing. Like I know the path I'm supposed to be on. I know that it's okay to fall off it um, and to pivot and go in a different direction. And sometimes if I'm really kind of quiet and feeling grounded, I can, I know exactly what direction that is in an instant. And I never had that capacity I think when I was in my 20s is definitely something that's cultivated over time as you think it comes with age yeah it does where would you say the pivotal age for you was for me I would say it was probably I'm 38 now I'd say it's probably about mid 30s that, that I started to feel like that I'm 38 in about six weeks okay and uh, I, I would also say about 34 35 yeah was when I finally felt, and not every day and not all the time, but there was just almost an, an anchoring somewhere yeah. about myself that I was more okay with than I'd probably ever been. Yeah. And, and Claire still pipes up a lot, but there is that anchor that I think is, is yeah. helpful. I agree. And I think as time goes on, it gets stronger and stronger. And I'm now in a place where I'm previously, I would have thought, I don't, I don't want to get older. I don't want to go into my thirties and all that. Now I can't wait for my forties because I, I feel like it's going to be another great decade because I'm going to know more stuff and I'll be more certain about who I am and who knows what I'll be doing and what life will look like at that point. But I feel very optimistic about the future Whereas I think probably in my 20s, I would have been more worried or unsure. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a good place to be. Do you know what's taught, taught me an awful lot? Um, so my other business, uh, which is a very similar, same industry as yours, which is how yeah. we've done podcasts before, <laughs> um, is also very dominated by men in their 50s and 60s <laughs> um, and actually the insurance industry was not my background marketing uh, yeah. business development my background but but not insurance so to have started a business predominantly in the insurance industry doing marketing and business development in the insurance industry was massive imposter syndrome in the beginning for me yeah I, I, and we weren't structured in the way we started the business and I can remember in July 2019, literally sitting with my husband and sobbing. I yeah. don't know what I'm going to do. I've made life decisions regarding my kids that I now can't afford, but it's what they need for their mental health, welfare. And, 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 and I'm just going to have to, you know, stop sleeping. And how am I going to manage life? And I'm a failure at this and I'm a failure at that. And I remember having the mother of all meltdowns that lasted for ages 
And I remember, and this I think is where the tools and the resilience that, that you start to cultivate come in. I remember going, pipe down, Sarah. Like, you've got a choice to make. Yeah. So if your choice is that you want to get to position X and this isn't working, find something else that will. Yeah. So let's really start to put some structure in. And that, that for me was another pivotal moment to go, okay, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I can do it. I must. I can. And then yeah. trying to find a way around it. Yeah. It's, um, I was listening to something earlier today and she, uh, it was a podcast and she shared a quote and the quote was, the wound is where the light comes in. And it's by Rumi. And that's the whole situation. It's like you have these really tough times where you are in tears and you feel like there's, you know, there's no, everything's going wrong and what on earth are you going to do? And actually, by hitting that point, you're then able to start rebuilding and, and you know, find a way out and be stronger. That's the other side of it. You are stronger coming out the other side of these experiences than you were before you went in and I look back at like all of those kind of moments that you've had there like I've had them all as well and I, I can almost see like Faye pre that meltdown Faye post that meltdown and Faye pre was not as strong as Faye post and Faye post will go and have more meltdowns and then we'll get even stronger going forward and forward so it's um yeah they're kind of gifts they, they are they are and some are harder to swallow than others yeah but I think you're absolutely right. The, the Faye pre, pre or the Sarah pre and the Sarah post are, are different people. But I also think you have a choice in the different person that you are. Mm. And one of the things that I've seen sort of in other relationships that I have is this ability to, to this sounds awful, but to be the victim. And yeah. that manifests in itself quite a bitter outlook so when you go into that hole, it is your choice how you come out. And I think some of that is around ownership as far as yeah. you can. And I don't mean owning the fault. I mean, owning the choice to how you react. And I think that's a really important distinction and actually underlines an awful lot of what I want Coffee, Calm and Connection to be about. Yeah. I've got um, a few questions for you. Okay. What would... 38-year-old Faye say to 21-year-old Faye if you could speak to her today? Don't be afraid of making mistakes. Uh, loosen your grip. Stop trying to act like other people and be yourself. Yeah, that's probably it. I think that's brilliant. What tools would you give Faye? Journaling is really helpful, I find. So I do that sometimes early in the morning and I, I probably it, it's not a daily practice like I think it is for some people I will go to it usually if I'm feeling not great about things and just and that's actually where I think this idea that the answers are inside us comes from because if I find if I sit down with a pen and paper and just start writing anything like you know I am feeling crap because of this, this and this. And I don't know what to do and all of that stuff. And gradually, as you write and write and write, like the perception will start to change. So I think that is one of the most important things. I also think, so I'm reading a book at the moment called Rest, 
which is really good. It's about the idea that actually we are more productive if we rest more, essentially. Who's it by? I can't remember. So what I'll do is I'll email you and you can add the notes. I can pop it in the show notes. Yeah. I think um, journaling is really important. And earlier, what I was going to say was, when I'm in like the worst places, what I have consistently done is emailed myself. Oh. Um, and I've got a little folder that's got all of my emails to self in. Yeah. And, and, and you can see when I've had low points and I, like you, um, suffered from uh, postnatal depression but didn't recognize it for the first two pregnancies I did for the third yeah. um, I'm a quick learner um, and I did that journaling and you can see periods and it's really interesting yeah it, it's it's powerful I think and the, yeah the other thing I was thinking that relates to rest is and I think especially in um, if you're in a job where productivity is very important so like hard work essentially that holidays are important as well and taking time away I mean I really notice it now that when I take a holiday day four or five something like that suddenly ideas will just start coming to me and I will have just this rush of motivation and inspiration so yeah it's give yourself downtime in my 20s that would have been going to festivals and drinking loads and not really the kind of downtime that necessarily I value now um but to yeah to to make space for yourself just to have quiet and calm and to to like restore yourself I also think actually looking back on at that time one of the tools that I use now is like being alone I think that's really important, especially as a mum and, you know, in a in quite a, um, a job where I'm interacting with people, be it majority remotely right now, having time away is, is, is critical as well, whether that's getting up early in the morning. So you've got quiet time in the house, going for walks on your own and just not being afraid. I think when I was younger, I was probably afraid of being on my own I would be boring or I'd be missing out on something but that's I think that's really valuable now I think those are fabulous pieces of advice journaling and being alone being two that I've learned over time as well that that really really help but sometimes being alone when you're in the deep and dark place isn't a nice place to be yeah but I do think uh it's a good place to be going back to what you said at the beginning which is to feel the emotion like it's there for a reason it just weighed it out yeah if you were talking to a friend who was going through the difficult period in your life that you'd been through yeah what would you say to her what would your advice be would it be along the same lines as 21 year old Faye or have you got any other things you'd want to offer yeah I would say it's just knowing that the biggest challenges that we go through are hugely and can be hugely transformational. And it feels if you're going through something difficult, it's probably because you're going through a period of growth and you're either you're trying to change something in your life or something has happened externally, which is impacting a change on you. And that's that's going to generate 
a growth within you um, which which can be transformative and I think that you know just taking each day as it comes and and like I said it's looking for like finding those things as well that make you happy and prioritizing that kind of almost giving yourself a little a little um toolkit full of, uh, of a list of things to do you know if you feel low if you feel down and just dip into that when you need to um I think is 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 really important and I think as well just the action of me talking to a friend going through it it's to say that you're not alone this happened like this happened to me it's happened to many people you feel like if you're in a dark place if you're having a tough time you're the only one that it's happening to but there are millions of people that you know around the world that you know have tough experiences um, and come out the other side in a stronger better place and then go on to help others so I think that last bit's really important because going on to help others is a is a real thing okay one last question for you Faye what pledge can you give today to your future self of next week or the week after or the week after? My pledge to my future self is that I will have fun every day. That's it. I love it. Absolutely love it. Faye, thank you so much for your time and your positivity and your openness. I've really enjoyed it. You're welcome. It's been a really good chat. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Your reviews, shares and followership is incredibly valuable to us. If you'd like to know more about our work through Coffee, Calm and Connection and how we can support you, please email us at hello at coffeecalmconnection.org or follow us on social media. Thank you.